0: welcome to to every generation the broadcast ministry of calvary chapel crossfields located in jamesburg new jersey where we teach through the entire bible verse by verse and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with god
1: this morning we're going to be in isaiah 6 and the last time the message this was the first of two, called Experiencing God, because Isaiah, he's just a a sinner like you and I, he experiences God, and we're going to look at not only his reaction to what he sees and how his heart changes as a result of it, but also to what he does and how his goals in life change. So I'm going to read verse 1 through 13, the whole chapter, and then we're only going to go through 8 through 13, because we covered 1 through 7 the last time. So... The commission of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah, a very popular king of Judah, died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord, saw God, sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, or an order of angels. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, or I am destroyed, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the true King, the eternal King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged or atoned for. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste, and without inhabitant. The houses are without a man, and land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. Now if you're new to the scripture, you're saying, not only are you saying what happened with that skit, But you're saying, what are you saying? Well, Pastor Joe, there's a lot of things I don't understand. And that's why we come to church, to understand what God's word says and to be able to apply it to our lives. This happened some 2,700 years ago, but there's applications for today. And that's why God's true word is called the living word, because no matter when it was written, it still has uh, principles and truths for any generation. So if we look at the first image, and again, this is a, an artist's representation. I looked through some different images. Uh, if you look at the candelabras and you look at the, the uh, ornateness, if this was in the actual temple, right now we have a temple mount. And this is kind of neat because you're looking at news today. There's a lot of things going on at the temple mount in Jerusalem. But there actually was a temple that stood there. There's been enough archaeological digs to uncover these artifacts. The Romans destroyed the last temple in the Roman Jewish wars of A.D. 66 to A.D. 70. But the temple, if this was where this took place, you would have seen, based on what you read in the Old Testament, Isaiah would have seen the ornateness of the decorations inside this building. And he would have seen this, you know, and that's, that's great because... You know, a lot of people have this vision of God being an elderly man with a long white beard. And God says specifically, don't make any images of me. Don't bow down and worship. Don't make any representations. There's only one God. So it's actually an offense to him because whatever we could possibly duplicate and have in our homes or whatever would be You know, it wouldn't do God. Nothing would do God justice because you see, Isaiah sees a form. He doesn't see God in His perfected form as a sinner, but he sees something, and he sees His glory. So, in this image, um, you see a dazzling light and this kind of train that flows and fills the whole temple. And then you see these. These are actually the angelic beings on each side with six wings, the seraph, which means to burn, and they're 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 hovering and they're speaking to each other and telling Isaiah who they're dealing with. They're heralding the Lord. If we could look at the second image again, these are just artist representations. Um, you know, here's Isaiah looking real small compared to this incredible being, and you can see with two wings he's covering his face, with two he's covering his feet, and with two he's flying. And you know, I've talked about angel worship today. You know, people have this picture or this representation of what they think angels look like, and they go worshiping angels. But angels are created beings. There's, angels can't save us. It's only God who can save us. Angels are just uh, his servants that do his bidding. So, you know, again, we do our best to try to express what Isaiah is seeing based on what he wrote down on a piece of paper. And it's not easy to do, believe me. So let's look at a few things here in verse 8 as we continue, because the first seven verses talked about Isaiah's... And if you didn't get it, you can get it free off the website. You can actually grab a CD on the way out, the first part of it. But Isaiah, the first part is he's seeing this glorious you know, vision of God this, that's coming to him in a really dark and difficult time in the southern kingdom of Judah. And all of a sudden, his focus changes. Uh, There's some interaction. There's uh, things that he sees, things that he writes down. We covered all this. And in verse 8 is Isaiah's response. He says this, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And we're going to look at this in four parts. And the first part is the willingness to serve God. So in other words, when we truly know God, it should change the channel. You know, we could go through life looking horizontally, looking at people, looking at promotions, looking at homes, looking at, you know, my goals for life. And a lot of times, and I say it, people aren't vertically focused, they're not thinking about God, they're not thinking about eternity. You know, some do briefly when they go to a funeral and then they, they, they get out and it just, they just try to change the channel and get it out of their mind because nobody wants to deal with death or consider death. But according to the Bible, that the believer, when they believe in Jesus Christ, they've immediately passed from death unto life. The Christian, the Christian who really understands these things doesn't fear death. We Listen, I don't personally want to be taken away from you know, taking care of my wife and my son, but if God took me, I'd be, I'd be, listen, I know where I'm going, and they're going to be following me because I know they've received the Lord as well. And that promise is open to all. That's the important thing. This isn't an elite club. It isn't, well, you've got to be part of a Calvary chapel. That's silly. That's denominationalism. That's religion. That's a bunch of men over centuries fighting about power. What this is about is about an honest-to-God true relationship between a creation and their creator, their father, God. God's, God sets us, he gives us life, and he, he breathes in Genesis in Adam a life-giving spirit right, into his body, and Adam becomes alive. And and then God sends the people out. He sends us out with free will. And it's a beautiful thing when with that free will, we use that to turn back around and say, I want to know him. I want to know my creator. And then it's a wonderful thing. It's like the parable of the prodigal son and, and just the joy and the blessings that await us. But God isn't going to force us he did all the heavy lifting. He sent His Son into the world to die for our sins. He, he did the first cause. He put out His hand first. It's up to us to, to now close that circuit, to receive Him and come to Him. But He isn't going to force us to do it. But knowing God, in Isaiah's case, in our case as well, it precipitates humility. It precipitates obedience, willingness, a desire to please Him. I remember when I became a Christian, I had so many questions. Why am I here? Why did God make me? What does He want from me? How can I help? How can I serve? How can I please my God? Wow, I'm just getting to know Him for the first time. It's like a relative, long-lost relative that I never knew and I just met. I was like 26 years old when that took place. To the believers, do we love the Lord? Or did we leave our first love? You know, we can get stale, we can become stagnant, it's the human condition. Even as believers, we have a, a regenerate spirit inside of us, but a flesh that tends towards selfishness, that tends towards our own way, that tend, tends towards fighting for survival when Jesus says you need to die to yourself. Not long after Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent letters to different churches. That It wasn't long after that they were starting to get stinky. They were starting to get stale. And he says to Revelation 2 to Ephesus, he goes, you know, you guys are doing good works. A lot of churches do good works. He goes, but you left your first love. And he meant himself. I'm the, you know, him saying, I'm the Savior. I saved you. And now you're doing all these things, these rote rituals and stuff, but you forgot about me. Your heart is in for me. And that's, that's important that we look at that. Have the pleasures of this world put out the fire that some of us might have once had for him or the trials. And that's what Satan does. He'll either use the carrot or the stick, and he'll keep flipping them back and forth to try to draw us away from God, to make us ineffective from him. But here you have Isaiah. He sees God, and his, his channel is completely changed, like I like to say. I want to read two scriptures, Second uh, Chronicles 16.9. I'm going to start with that that basically express God's willingness. And this is a strange thing. He's got these seraph, these incredible angels. He's got the cherubim, these incredible angels. He's got probably hundreds of thousands of angels. But he chooses to use human beings to accomplish his will. I don't get it. I think an angel could do a much better job than I could, quite frankly, you know what I'm saying? But he uses frail human beings. And I think that's his mercy that he does that. It's his love for us that he uses us even in a sinful state, to accomplish His will, 2 Chronicles 16:9 says this: "For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him." And now, there was a contextual issue there, but this is an amazing thing that, and I'm going to use one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament that God is always looking for humans to, to consider Him and to be used by Him. This one's even more powerful in the New Testament. In Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38, this is Jesus now. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness, and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he saw the crowds. It's like you could picture Jesus on like an elevated area and just looking out at the countryside people. Someone's tending sheep, someone's having recreation with their kids, and he just seeds the multitude. Again, fully God in the flesh. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. See, the Lord sees the human condition. He, he actually sees through the flesh and the appearance into the heart. That's an amazing thing. In our society, it's all about appearance. It's all about how you look. It's all about what you wear. It's all about your you know, the letters after your name. Jesus, when He looks at people, He sees into their hearts. That's an amazing thing about our God. So if you've been kicked around by society or school or relatives or whatever... You know, Christ knows your condition. And Christ, in his mercy, God can use us. It's an amazing thing. But he said to his disciples, so Jesus sees the condition of the multitudes, and he turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest, he did a lot of analogies and allegories. The harvest is like a wheat harvest. Now he's speaking about people, truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. So he looks at people, and he sees their condition. And his disciples were being groomed to give this message of hope, to give the message of the gospel. And 2,000 years later, he's still looking for followers to do this. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, folks, listen, I went to a a good school, four years, got a degree, and I have achievements in my life. Uh, But sometimes we can almost look at our own self-importance and that will take us away from the humility that it takes to serve the Lord. There's a lot of things that we can get caught up in in this world that distract us. Isaiah though, he sees this and he's like, I'm going, I'm going, whatever you need. He didn't even ask for a job description. He actually asked for the job description afterwards. (laughs) So it's pretty neat. Whom shall I send? God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Watch the change in the personal pronouns from singular to plural. We also see this in Genesis 1. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Who's God ta- talking to? Well, you might say, well, you just said, look, there was angels there. No, He's not talking to them. And the reason being is because they're, they're inferior to God. They're created beings. Speaking to Himself, the Trinity Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Even in Deuteronomy 6, if you have a Jewish background, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That word in Hebrews is echad, which means a united one. So God is saying, I'm a united one. He could have used yochid, which means a solitary one, but he used echad. So God was already, in the Old Testament, signaling the people of his, his presence and his, what he was like. You now, if you think about it, we're almost a, a dysfunctional, because we're s- sinful, we're a marred version of how we were supposed to be made in God's likeness, and his image. We're body, mind, and spirit. And if you're a Christian, and you're still tied to the flesh, your flesh can try to tell you what to do. And in your spirit, you're saying, no, 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 that's not, that's not good. I don't want to do that. So we're dysfunctional, we, we kind of argue with ourselves sometimes where the three are in different sheets of music there. But God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always agree with himself. And when we truly experience in God, we become less self-centered. We become less critical. We argue less about stupid things. The closer we get to God, you know, he changes us. You know, I think about... We, we come together better. You know, I think about our church project day that we had. I didn't know what to expect. We had men and women come. We had older and younger come, people from different backgrounds, and they, we all come together and, you know, sometimes you see, and you see it in the church too, that one person always has to be bossy. They have to be the boss. Listen, I'm the senior pastor. I didn't say, hey, I'm the boss. What we did was we said, these are the projects we have to do. Was, you know what's really amazing? Nobody got hurt. <laughs> so that was one of the main things I prayed for. Uh, but we came together. Sometimes my, my ideas worked, sometimes they didn't. Sometimes their ideas worked. Sometimes. And what we did was we kept cycling through our ideas until we figured out what worked. And we got the job done, which was pretty amazing. Um, you know, when you get closer to the Lord, your, your self-importance becomes less important. So Isaiah said, send me. This is the willing and submissive heart that comes from the appreciation for what God did in saving us and having a relationship with him. And remember, this is pre-cross. This is BC. This is before Christ, okay? So the atonement was a picture of what was going to happen when Christ came, right? God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that means anybody, you're sitting here today, could that be me? Uh, But I'm not part of this church, but I I didn't give any money in the basket. That's not what the scripture says. It says whosoever. It doesn't have conditions. It's unconditional. That's the beautiful thing of whosoever. All the whosoever's here. You don't know the Lord, you want to know the Lord. Just like my man Dominic uh, last week came forward to receive the Lord. It's your choice. You want God, God wants you. He gave you all the tools to be saved, right? He did all the heavy lifting. We just have to believe. I have to finish it. Whosoever would believe would not perish, but have everlasting life. Continuing, verse 9 in Isaiah. Verse 9. And he said, now the Lord says to Isaiah, go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. So two out of four is the commission. Even if you don't know, or you've never read this before, you already know right away that the ministry that Isaiah give, was given was not really glamorous. It didn't seem like a lot of fun based on the way God explained it. And, and that's the sad thing today. Sometimes uh, Christianity has become so commercialized that unless it's big and, and amazing and, and scintillating, that it's not, the, the Holy Spirit is not there. There's a lot of small churches in depressed areas that are feeding the community and doing amazing things. Ministering to people and it might not catch the radar of those in our culture, but the Holy Spirit is there. God is doing a great work. It doesn't have to be flashy, you know. Ministry truly is where God needs us, not where we necessarily prefer to be. And again, you you can see the um, this, some of the TV preachers and and be brainwashed to think that Christianity is just glamorous, and it's not. It's not. Jesus bled to death on the cross. He he gave his life so that we could have eternal life. It's not always pretty. The disciples, uh, out of the, you know, let's see, after Judas, the disciples, all of them, were martyred by the Roman government and some by the Jewish leadership, um, except for John the Apostle. So when you read the Bible, you see in Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, some of them were martyred for their faith. It's not always glamorous, but That's where trusting God has to come into play. We we go, we do, we tell people, right? This is what we do. And we trust God for the outcome. And, And again, this is, listen, when I was in my 20s, and I was asked, I grew up in a church, and I was asked to come to a church, and it was a Calvary. And I resisted for probably weeks and months. You know, I'm like, pfft. My first thing was, I don't do church. (laughs) So what happens is, we get this idea through the media, through maybe some poor examples in the church, and we say, you know, they just want my money, they just this, they just that, they're cold, this and that, and what happens is we get this picture of God based on some of his representatives, and that's sad, because God is awesome. Christ is awesome. Uh, We don't always do the best job in representing him, but once I came and I started to hear the word, it started to change me from the inside. It started to do something internally, it was amazing. And today, again, I'm, I'm not a fan of a lot of the glamor in commercialized Christianity because I think it sets the wrong example. Uh, many articles, I think a term was coined maybe in the last decade or two of consumerism, where now it's become the celebrities In the church and the seekers in the body and what happens is they come out and they look for a show they look to be tantalized right and and that's what it's become people come to churches and they they just become critical i didn't like the music i didn't like the color of the walls i didn't like what the pastor was wearing i mean all these things and and the idea is is this consumerism so churches now vie for who can be the most flashy to draw people in that's not christianity See, the church is a living organism. It's a living organization. When you look at the church in the book of Acts, people came together. They shared meals together. They went to each other's homes. They studied the Bible together. They prayed together. They knew each other. And and unfortunately, after 2,000 years, sometimes we have to, when we preach, we have to take the scripture and say, what you're seeing today is not very accurate. We've got to go back to the way it was originally set up and try to be like that. You know, the church is a people that come together and work together to affect the goals of the Lord. I'd like you to turn with me to John 12, the Gospel of John, John 12, starting with verse 39. So, some seven centuries after Isaiah, the Son of God comes to the earth, takes the form of a man. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why he had to do that. And he, he picks up a lot of the Old Testament prophecies and he fulfills them. So as I read this, Isaiah had a hard ministry, but Jesus also had a tough ministry. He got a lot of opposition. Listen, they killed him, right? They crucified him. They were always after him. But he wasn't going to give himself on the cross until the time was right. They thought that they had won, but they actually had lost, because in in crucifying Christ, the world can be saved. So 1239, Jesus, about Jesus... He had done so many signs that the words of Isaiah the prophet, actually this is 37 and 38, might be fulfilled, which I don't want to get to that point, but I want to jump to 39. Therefore, they could not believe. So many of the people, Jesus raised the dead, he healed the blind, he uh, made the lame walk, he did miracles of food, he walked on water. Folks, listen, today people say, well, I just need to see a miracle. Jesus did miracles every day, all day, for three plus years. And the whole world didn't get saved, did they? Right? There was a lot of followers, and they multiplied. But be careful with that, I need to see a miracle thing, because it's right here in the scripture. Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, again going back to Isaiah the prophet, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they should see with their eyes and understand with their heart, lest they should turn, so that I, the Lord... Should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his, meaning Christ's glory, and spoke of them. So this is important. God's word. This is this is what's very important about God's word. It has power. So, so for many of us, and maybe we, it doesn't take the first time, but at some point, God's word softens our hearts, and we want a relationship with Him. For others, the more they hear God's word, it hardens their heart. And I've experienced this, and I'm sure you have too. Maybe even friends and family, you know, you, you're sharing, and, and they, right away they get mad. You know what's funny? Before I was a believer, I used to get mad too. Because I, I, I was worldly, I had my preconceived thoughts, and sometimes when a Christian would come and, and preach something, right away I'd get irritated, because I wasn't spiritual, Right? And the Lord changed that over time. So it can do both. The same sun, right? The same sun that hardens the clay also melts the ice. What's the difference? It's the same rays, it's the same heat. We're talking about the the object, the agent that it's working upon. In Isaiah's day, many had hard hearts. In Jesus' day, many had hard hearts. And today, many have hard hearts. And it's sad because God wants to give us joy I think what I, I, it grieves me. I don't, listen, I'm not, I don't come up here to make fun of people. I don't do that. And I also know what I was like, so I'm not going to stand here and be a hypocrite. Okay, I lived on both sides of the cross. But some go through life as if they're living out a, a jail sentence. They're unhappy, they're unfulfilled, they don't have joy, they don't have meaning. I remember, again, my grandmother's. she got saved before she died, but when I was in college, just having conversations with her. And I would say, I just remember this, in, in my kitchen. My grandmother would ask me, what's the matter, Joey? <laughs> and I'd say, oh, just, I just, I don't know. I don't, my life seems to have no meaning. It just was, and then, I, and then when the Lord came, and again, I, everything was going great. I was young. I was educated. But, you know, God wants to give us joy in our lives. You know, it's very important to understand people have a a, a wrong impression of God. Maybe they've grown up in a a religion that's taught them something different, that God is angry and He's always looking to hurt them, Um, and their attitude is, keep me far away from God. I don't, you know, arms distance, but I want to get into heaven. I don't want to perish, but I don't want to get too close to Him because He scares me. But God loves us, and God is our Father. He's our Creator. Now, I just want to go to verse 41 that we covered in John. And see if you caught this before we continue with Isaiah. He says, These things Isaiah said, remember, it's in Jesus' day, recounting the prophecies of Isaiah, looking back to the time from Jesus, backwards to Isaiah. You've got to get used to prophecy. It, it puts you all over the map when it comes to time. It says, These things Isaiah said when he saw his, meaning the Lord's glory, and spoke of him. So, what are, we, what are we saying here? We're saying that in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah sees this glorious vision of God, he's also seeing Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of scripture that backs that up. Jesus himself in John eight fifty eight, is speaking about another patriarch. He says, even before Abraham was born, yod heh vav he, he says, I am. So Jesus, people say, you, you get those people that knock on their door. Well, Jesus never claimed to be God. It's not true. There's dozens of places where Jesus claimed to be God. Verse 10, we continue going back to Isaiah. You'll get used to the whole prophetic calendar, but um, in Isaiah, as we continue on, verse 10, he says, "...lest, or for fear that they, they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart." and return to God, come back to God, and be healed. In other words, do we want to be healed, folks? You might have come here and you're you're like, wow, you know, this is a lot to take in, Pastor Joe. I've never really had exposure to the Bible. You know, the people at the time, the economy was good. Everything was going well for them. They were involved in a lot of things they shouldn't have been involved in. The culture was very decadent, and the word went out there. And to some, it melted their hearts like the ice melts into water, but many of them, their hearts were hard, and it became hardened like the clay in the sun. It became impenetrable. And the question is, do we want to be healed? Many come into a church, and it's okay to say, oh, I I broke my leg, can you pray for me? A lot of people won't say, I'm depressed. I have anxiety. They're afraid. They're afraid of being judged, like... If you break something in your body, you're okay. But if something is not working properly or you're emotionally distraught, there's something wrong with you and don't tell anybody. You know? And that's sad. So when when he says to be healed, yes, primarily spiritually, God wants all to be saved and go to heaven with him. But there's many that are going through life and even come into the church and they don't say anything. They suffer in silence. Do we want to be healed that way as well? You know, for some, and for me, when I was young, uh, I would just continued in dysfunction. Dysfunction's a weird thing. And, and here you have Jesus offering all these, th- all these promises. And I can tell you that He fulfills every one of them. And some, they carry the dysfunction like an abusive partner that they don't want to get rid of. And listen, being a cop for 25 years, dealing with domestic violence, I've seen it. Well, this is all I, I deserve, you know, I deserve this. And sometimes we carry around that dysfunction in our life and Jesus wants to do all these things and we actually go that's God's too good to be true or that's good for all those people in the church but you don't know my situation. That's a lie. <laughs> Satan's lying to you. You know, we can all be free and that's the beautiful thing of what the Lord does. The word has power. I'll put up the last scripture for this morning. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. The Word has power. And that's why, listen, whatever church you choose, definitely choose a church where the Word is preached. Because that's the power in the church, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Hebrews four twelve says, The Word of God is living and powerful. Another analogy here. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Probably had in mind the Roman gladius with two edges to it. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Remember I said that? I don't know what any of you are thinking. Some of you could say, I can't wait to get out of here. This sermon is boring. (laughs) I can't see that. But God knows. He knows our heart. He knows everything that we're thinking. Right? And the word of God has power too. Because when we hear the word and we're doing something wrong, and then we we hear a sermon and we we get convicted, we think, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. Because that's not pleasing to God. He says, It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Again, we come in here, we're clothed, we cover ourselves. God sees everything, though. He sees past it all. He sees past the fashion, the, the clothing, the hairstyles, the facade, the pret- pretentiousness. Sometimes we put forth. That's the beautiful thing about God's Word. And some don't want to be exposed by it. They don't like it. They want to run from it. But it's good for us. It really is. Verses 11 through 12, it says, Then I said, again, the, Listen, the Judahites, the people in Judah, had great possibilities. Many of them repented, many of them didn't. Again, it's what we do with God's Word when we hear it. You can, you can leave here and throw it in the trash and just forget about it. For some, it might haunt you. You might lay down at night when there's no other thoughts, and you might say, what if what he's saying is true? And you might lay there in bed and go, are you there, are the, are you there Lord? He is. Do it. You know? Do it personally. Do it one-on-one. He's your Father. He loves you. I'm just here to show you the way. You don't come through me. You don't come through this church. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. Got a lot of amens there. Uh, so, 11 through 12, then I, Isaiah said, Lord, how long? It's kind of depressing, Lord, you know. This isn't like the glamorous ministry. and It's just human. I might have said the same thing. How long? And he answered, Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, the land is utterly desolate, the Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. So three out of four is the details. Now, understand, and if you take out a history book after you leave here, you say, well, everything Pastor Joe said was right. The Assyrian Empire attacked Syria. Syria was harassing the northern kingdom of Israel. Again, all history. Israel thought they had a break, but their wickedness continued. Eventually the Assyrian Empire came in and invaded in 722 BC the, the northern kingdom, expatriated a lot of people and beat them in battle. Assyrians harassed the southern kingdom of Judah, which is who we're speaking about here. 586 BC, you know your history, we're getting closer. Some of you say, No, the Romans. <laughs> well, before the Romans it was the Greeks, before the Greeks it was the Persians, before the Persians it was the Babylonians. It's really neat. Look at the whole history. Of these waves of undulating waves of different empires that had come risen and fallen, Babylonians come in 586 BC, break down the walls of Jerusalem, uh, destroy, I believe is the first temple, uh, and carry the people away to Babylon. But the Lord allows them um, the Persians treat them mercifully and send them back. So this is what's going on here. This is a bad time in Judah. Um, God had removed His protective hand. They thought that they could fight these invaders off. They pushed God aside, and sadly, there was war. Um, the, the villages were ruined. People were taken as an exile, and it was just because they didn't. They just said, "And you know what? Our culture is doing the same thing. We don't want God. We'll try everything that you could, any humanistic, you know, psychology method to fix mankind, to fix the shootings, to fix this, to fix that." The only thing that's going to work is the Prince of Peace. It's Jesus Christ. And you may say, if you're here, you may say, but, but my recollection is that a lot of wars were started by religion. I'm going to tell you this. You won't find me one war that's started by people who really knew Jesus. They might have been religious. They might have been, it was, might have been a powerful church at the time, but they, it's, not, it's not there. Because Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. It's not for you to do that. So we continue. You know, God's attitude towards the Judahites was, you know, he, he's not an enabling parent. And listen, I, I fall into it too. <laughs> you know, we, we want to do so much for our kids. Sometimes we enable them and we shouldn't. But God's not an enabling parent. And his attitude was, I love you too much to continue to, to keep these protections, to continue to allow you to destroy yourselves. I have to walk away. And that's when everything fell apart very sad. Last verse. And you know, it's amazing in all these prophetic books with all the difficult things that God said through his prophets, he always gave the people a message of hope, hope. God never shut the door on anybody. As long as they were alive, they still could repent and say, you know what, Lord? All right. I really did make a mess. You hear today. I really did make a mess of my life. I know you showed me some things before and I did it anyway. Lord, I want to turn from it. That's called Repentance. And that's always available. It was available to to them. It was available to the people at the Lord Jesus' time. And it's available today. Last verse. But yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be its stump for the remnant. The remnant. Today we call them suckers. If you get a certain, you know, you're laughing, some of you deal with trees and my wife, the horticulture and stuff, you cut something down and then a few months or so later you see all these shoots come up from like the root system and you think that the tree is dead. The technical term is basal shoots, but we call them suckers. By the same token, the tree of Judah had been cut down by these invading forces, but there were still basal shoots, there was still hope for the people there was still a remnant. And the Bible speaks about that. You show me any community, any culture, and there's still some, there's a small percentage, no matter what's going on, no matter if they destroy themselves, that seek after God. You know, I mean, you can, even in Iran and certain North Korea, they, they block out, you can't get a Christian station, you can't get it on your internet, but the Lord Jesus is appearing to people in dreams. And people are waking up, Muslims in Iran, they're waking up and they're going, I got to find somebody who knows who Jesus is. It's amazing what's going on. And I'm getting this from many missionaries, many reports. You can't keep God out of a country. You know what I'm saying? You really want the Lord? Great. The Lord really wants you. It's that simple. Are we the remnant in our decadent culture? And our culture is decadent, right? All those that worship celebrities for all these years, for decades, I've heard of things when I was a kid, that I knew were going on uh, in Hollywood and people that had sought that type of path, and now the doors are getting blown open. Everybody's coming out saying, I was assaulted, I was... it's bad. And, and even some Christians, like they get gaga over somebody that they see on TV, they're fooling you, their job is to pretend. Are we more influenced by God's word or by the celebrity culture, by ball players, by politicians, by academia? hopefully we're more influenced by the word of god amen okay everybody's awake that's great <laughs> but the remnant the holy seed while society is literally going off the cliff where are we brothers and sisters you know it, it is it is easier and i got to be honest with you when i preach something that goes against what the culture is doing i get warm up here you know what i'm saying because we we naturally it's it's in us to want to be liked to want people to say hey that was great your words were smooth all that stuff but that's not what god would necessarily have you know the prophets were were abused isaiah was killed by his own people <laughs> a few a few decades later because he was preaching the truth you know what i'm saying it isn't all glitter and glitz that you see sunday morning on some of these tv preacher shows a lot of that is fantasy it's not reality a lot of these movements and ministries they don't they don't do weddings, they don't do counseling, they don't have things for married couples when their lives are starting to fall apart, but it's all a show. It's like they're celebrities. They've emulated Hollywood. Folks, this is where it's at, the scripture. And I prayed, and my, my staff prayed before I went into Isaiah. I'm like, this is going to be a heavy hit. This is going to be counter to everything that we're taught in our culture as we go through the book of Isaiah. But it, but It's right. It's right. Everyone who goes along to get along is going off the cliff. I mean, I don't want to be that person. So it's going to sting a little bit, but it's it's the truth. And again, how do we not desire to please God in some way when we truly know Him? You know, God is in the business of saving souls. And I found this as well. Listen, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. And uh, I found that my greatest tool to help my family was after I got saved right? And the Lord had changed me, and my mom was so resistant. (laughs) She's awesome now. Well, she's always always awesome. She's my mother. Careful with that one. Uh, I have to strike that before my mom listens to it. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. She's great. Uh, (laughs) But, and then she became a Christian, and she completely turned around. You know, my sister was resistant, and she became a Christian. You know, I believe my father received the Lord before he died. Um, And I was like, wow. And it wasn't me, it was just I was a willing vessel. Um, And sometimes it wasn't me because I was obnoxious. It was actually my Christian friends who did the job for me, so full disclosure, okay? But God is in the business of saving souls. Isn't that important, especially in the light of the madness of this world? We live in a mad culture. Can we experience God and not feel compelled to act? And many will say, listen, this isn't my, my bag, God's Word. I'll stick with the denomination or the liturgy. Or, Honestly, that's playing it safe. Because you know what? To actually say, wow, are you saying that, that God wants me to have a relationship with Him? Relationships are work, folks. Religion's easy. Go there, do this, do that, and then the rest of the week, do whatever you want. But to actually have a living relationship with the living God, that's what God wants. Relationship, not Religion. You know, listen, when this age ends, only two things will matter in eternity. Two things. One is God, and the second is people. That's it. In heaven, sorry, there's no iPhone 10. You know, (laughs) there's no second and third houses or stock markets. There's God and people. And my question is, with with a scripture this powerful, do we want to be spectators when we experience the living God through His Word? Or do we want to be obedient and serve Him? Because that's the surefire way to help others. You know, there's a lot of charities and they do great work. But they only minister to the physical. And listen, we minister to the physical too. But we also minister to the, to the emotional and to the spiritual. Because you can, you can feed somebody and they're, we're going to be hungry again. You can give me... Um, clothing, I'm going to wear those clothing out. Do we go beyond just the physical ministering and minister to the soul and the spirit? Because at the end of the day, everybody dies. Sorry, there's your uh, happy message for this morning. And Jesus said there's only one or two places that, that people go. So my question is, do you want to make a true, honest difference in the world? Or not? Let's pray.